it's time for living large and hard. Hey, welcome to Living Large and Hard. How are you? This is, um, whenever you're coming to this, this is still in the year of our pandemic 2020. Shit's really, really weird. Especially if you're here in America, or if you're reading about what's going on here in America. My international listeners. Um, hope you're well. Hope this, if you're having a bad time, hope this distracts you for a couple minutes anyway. Even if it's just because you really get annoyed listening to this. But then I don't know why you'd listen to this, but then people do that shit all the time. So anyway, this one is Terminating Tazzy. I was a multi-unit supervisor for Domino's Pizza back in their glory days. And um, I became a specialist in going into areas that they'd taken away from failed franchisees. Now, the way that worked is they would get a cut of the franchisee's sales, and they would also make the franchisees buy from all their supplies from the Domino's commissary. So they were still making money off these people, but the things were so fucked up that they took them back because they were misrepresenting the Domino's ethos. And, uh, well, they were just, yeah. So I was... First time I did it was six stores. Next time I did it was nine. Well, I still had the first six. These were in northern Indiana. So that was 15. And then I took on 10. And that basically broke me because these things, because they were screwed up, um, losing 80% of the management was pretty much a given because they're the ones that were fucking up. I mean, it was up to the franchisees to not hire fuck-ups and enforce them, but good God, <laughs> standards uh, did not exist. And um, so the people would either not want to comply or they were just too fucked up that I, I couldn't keep them around. So you'd end up with, I'd end up with no help, um, no managers, so had to move up assistant managers, things like that. Anyway, it was, it was rewarding, but man, it was, it was tough going. So the second place, anyway, I took, for all these, what I did was I took them and they were losing money on paper. And I took all these areas that I went into and, and made first profit. Um, one of the stores in Fort Wayne, Indiana, had a week where they did $1,600. An entire fucking seven-day week, and all they took in was $1,600. Now, granted, this was in 1980. Well, it was the mid-'80s. Um, but still, I mean, the last store that I ran, we could take in almost that much on a Friday or Saturday night in the, in the primetime hour. We'd take in over a grand in an hour, what the store did in a week. So, and, you know, you had to change people's mentalities that it was even, that I wasn't lying <laughs> when I said, you know, that a store could do in an hour what this one store could do in uh, an entire week. But anyway, 
Let's go to uh, Fort Wayne was the first one. Uh, for which I won supervise, Corporate Supervisor of the Year for the Roslo region. Six stores, 66% increase overall. <clears throat> yeah, you know what that's worth now. Yep, not a goddamn thing. Um, so the next one I took over was South Bend. South Bend was an even bigger mess. Very, I mean, you know, these franchisees are losing their shit. Again, take it away. So they were they were hostile to that. So equipment would be gone. Um, they'd kind of they'd fan the flames on the personnel that didn't quit immediately. So it was very difficult. So I complained that I needed help because I still had the six stores in Fort Wayne, which was an hour or something away. So to, to run fifteen stores, nine of which are pretty much completely fucked up. Um, I needed someone else. So there was. One of the managers, his name was uh, Van the Man. And he was a mature, <laughs> let's say older, neither one of us were mature. And if you know me still, all these years later, you know, maturity is questionable. So Van the Man was enlisted to help me with South Bend because I had to run back and forth to Fort Wayne. And it was just, it was just too much. So Van and I really hit it off. And um, we would tag team stores. You know, I would say, Van's off tonight. So if you need anything, get a hold of me. Don't try to get a hold of him. And then I would leave. And before they figured out that there was no point in fucking off, because we would show up anytime. Open, close, pass, close. Didn't matter. So I'd say, Van's not in. And then, of course, we'd sneak Van in like three hours later and catch them with the door propped open, uh, no money being dropped, people out of uniform, that kind of stuff. So we had this guy, I have no idea what his real name was, is, I called him Tazzy after the Tasmanian devil because he would just get all spun up and pissed off about stuff, but he was the only option for this store to be the manager and this store was in a part of South Bend that I really tried to get the fuck out of Dodge before sundown there when you walked in it looked like a bank now this is a Domino's Pizza it had bulletproof glass top to bottom from the front to the back and also a bulletproof pass through for the pizzas yeah it even had the little thing where you slid the money underneath you know like a bank teller um and it also had a bulletproof pass-through where only one side could be open at a time to pass the product through. So, sketchy? Oh, yeah. But Tazzy was the guy because he was Tazzy. He was nuts. Tazzy was also a huge fuck-up. Um, so Van the Man and I, we would always tag-team when we'd fire somebody. We'd show up. Um just in case and for some reason when it was time to terminate Tazzy I went solo I don't know Van was we would do shit like uh, take long weekends and we would make it like say I was at my place in Michigan or he was at his place outside Chicago his, his weekend getaway spot we would 
call the stores and say, um, you know, I forgot my pager at your place. I'll be by to get it. I know right where it is. And then, of course, they'd be on alert for the entire night, but I'd be away, and then Van would slide in. So it would seem like I was there, even though I hadn't been there, and you'd get an extra day off because usually it was only... Uh, it was only usually Sunday night I would go up to my place in Michigan, my actual house. Uh, and then I would take Monday off and then go back Tuesday. So, you know, I'd squeeze in an extra day off and Van would as well or more. But we were, we were really good at that shit. I mean, we, it appeared to management that we were there all the time. It was fun. I would go out and say I'm heading to store X and I would go to store Y instead. Uh, then maybe I would roll up to store X hours later who had been expecting me through the grapevine. And I would just go in the parking lot and sit and, and watch them, you know, snap to and do everything they're supposed to do and then drive away. Oh, it was so much fun. And like I said, it worked. It was, you know, successful. Because you would filter out the people who didn't give a shit or who were actively undermining and um, build a team who would do the right thing because it was the right thing to do and because they would be rewarded for it as um, managers back then. We got 20% of the profit with no stipulations. It was just straight up. If you made X amount of money, your store could be a pigsty and your delivery time suck, but you got 20% of that. Of course, on the other hand, if everything else was out of line, you'd get terminated. So, you know, but it worked out really well. And so anyway, I went in to get rid of Tazzy on my own. Um, I had some uh, trepidation about that. So anyway... I used to do these airtight write-ups. First one, second one, third one. Third one for Tazzy was three handwritten pages of a legal pad. So I go into, you know, the bank lobby store and go in. And the office in this store was the size, literally, of a somewhat generous closet. So we go in there, and um, Tazzy's, you know, because we call people in the office all the time. So Tazzy's oblivious, and I whip out the legal pad, and I go, here, read this. Um, the desk, when you walk into this thing, the desk is to the right and goes right to the door jam. Then there's the door, which I had closed, and then there's just like a little area if you go into the left of the door, maybe like three feet. I mean, this thing was more like four feet. Very small. Very, very small. And stupidly, I did close the door. And stupidly, with the door closed, Tazzy, because there was no room, was right there at the door while he's reading this write-up. Um, not quickly, by the way, because he wasn't the brightest. And I... And back in this little three feet by three feet square, um, realizing I really should have gotten Van involved. 
because Tazzy's starting to spin up. We used to call it spinning up Tazzy because just like the Tasmanian devil, he would just go from looking like, and just start, you know, going and going and going and going until he was just a little cyclone with arms and legs sticking out and making that noise that, you know, the Tasmanian devil made. And all that shit. Well, not really, but in my mind, that's how it went. So Tazzy uh, puts the paper down after reading about half a page. And I can see he's in spin mode. And he turns to look at me with his back to the door now, blocking the door, looks at me, turns back to the desk, and um, grabs a pair of scissors. In situations like this, I tend to get really calm because it doesn't really do any good to, to do as Tazzy does and spin up. Um, very limited options at this point. First option is, you know, if to not die would be good. That's pretty much all I had on my mental ledger was it's going to be ugly, but I'm pretty sure that I can get out of this without major damage. So Tazzy takes the scissors, turns back, and, and looks me right in the eye. And then he turns away. And then I'm thinking, hmm. Now maybe Tazzy wants to detaz himself, and I got to stop him from, you know, Cutting his... I don't know what's going on. How's Tazzy going to kill himself with a pair of scissors? Seems like it's easier to kill someone else with a pair of scissors, but to kill yourself seems like a lot of work. <sighs> confusing, confusing. But anyway, he turns away from me, and he puts his left leg up on the chair at the desk there and starts cutting one of his, his left pants leg off above the knee. Yeah, so now I'm stupefied too, just like you are. Um, he continues to do that until he has half a pair of shorts. And then he um, rips the cut pant leg off, off the bottom of his leg. And then he puts his uh, left leg down, puts his right leg up, and cuts the other one off and tears it. In, in very Tazzy, you know, very Tazzy. Uh, I actually look more like the Hulk at this point. He's like, <laughs> fabric ripping. So basically, um, his response to being terminated was to make a, a pair of cutoffs. I'm not sure what happened after that, but I was just glad to be alive. And... Um, you know the cutoffs didn't look that good, so that wasn't a wasn't a fashion tip that I carried forward in my life. Well, thanks for listening. This is um, Living Large and Hard. You can get a hold of me, SoundCloud. You can comment anywhere in the ongoing podcast. You can also message me, Micromax Marvin, on Facebook. You can DM me. Living Large and Hard on Instagram. 
shit for brains at gmail x-i-t-f-e-r brains and get hold of me there you know the drill if you've heard this before we're here in the sky box well we're not i certainly am uh you're wherever the fuck you are but, but just close your eyes and pretend you're in the sky box here with me and i was talking to you we're sitting across this this little pink round table that i have and you're just sitting there and we're looking in each other's eyes and you're, you're kind of smirking oh what an amusing tale. Okay, enough of that. Uh, from the Skybox, high above Route 309, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Let's listen to some traffic. Get the fuck out of here. Have a good day.